Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Harry Simiu from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, 90 Min's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, head of UK content Toby Cudworth. We are on audio platforms, all of your usual ones, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. But uh, we're also on YouTube today, on the 90 Min YouTube channel, so... Now, this is the first time we've done we've done 12 episodes of this show, uh, but this is the first time we're on YouTube uh, going into a little bit of a different audience. So hello. You might know some of our faces, Harry and myself, but uh, obviously Toby and Graham joining us as well. 12 episodes into this podcast where we're going to talk about transfers, all of the biggest names in world football, be it players or managers, and talk about the latest on their futures. So we'll do a big I think we've got about 15 players to talk about today, possibly more than that. So we'll be with you for about an hour or so. Um, but let's get some introductions out of the way first. So, Toby, how are you doing today? Because I believe West Ham, you're a West Ham fan. If you could introduce yourself a little bit, just for the YouTube audience as well, that would be great. But I believe West Ham have completed a signing. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm head of UK written editorial content, so you don't see me much on camera. Um, you've probably heard me on the, the previous podcast, but um, I'm a West Ham fan, as Scott says. And the good news for me is that Naya Figuered, Looks to be completing his transfer this morning. West Ham have teased a tweet in the last couple of minutes at London calling with a, um, a little emoji to go with it. And we learned on Friday that he was completing the second part of his medical and that 30 million deal is now done. And he will be West Ham's first summer signing, which is good news for us. 30 million quid. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But For West Ham, 30 million. If you, if you want quality, and I, I've seen videos of him, he is rapid. So hopefully we've got a good player there. But we'll <laughs> Welcome to the show, Toby. Welcome to the show, Graham, as well. For the YouTube audience, you may have seen Graham before. You've probably seen him more on 90 Min underscore football social media handles. Uh, but Graham works with 90 Min as transfer correspondent and is, you know, on top of everything. Uh, how are you doing today, Graham? Yeah, great. Thanks, guys. Nice to be here on a Monday. Just uh, makes make Sundays quite busy now, but hey, it's a transfer windows open. Every day is busy. Well, the 90 min YouTube crowd, the YouTube audience will know that we usually come to you on a Monday and a Thursday and have done for about six years. So you're just going to have to adjust to the time frame, I think. Uh, Harry, welcome to the show. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, all good, mate. Pleasure to be here and uh, hear you guys' transfer musings of uh, what's going on. There's lots going on at the moment and um particularly as an Arsenal fan, the last few days have been a little bit more exciting than the first few of the window anyway. Harry seemed to be cursed. Well, not cursing his luck. Arsenal fans were cursing their luck about nothing happening in the transfer market. I joked to Harry last week that he did a podcast about Arsenal not signing <laughs> any players and then they end up signing two. 
uh, <laughs> almost or getting close to two anyway. Fabio Vieira coming through the door uh, and a slew of other players linked with Arsenal as well. And it seems like there's a lot of uh, movement behind those as well. But we'll start off today with Manchester City. Now, they have three players that are out of contract in 2023. Arsenal are linked to one or two of them. Uh, but Raheem Sterling is the main name that has been circulating around from a Man City perspective in the last few days. Uh, Graham, we've we've explored this story on nightmin.com uh, several times down the year. Uh, and it's come clear that I think Raheem Sterling would like to move to Spain. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Barcelona, Real Madrid is the kind of dream for him. But over the weekend, it's been Chelsea making a push hardest for him. So, What's the latest on Sterling's future? How seriously should we take this Chelsea interest? And is there another club in the mix as well? Yeah, it's becoming increasingly apparent, isn't it, that it looks like Raheem Sterling does want to leave. We've done a piece on that in mean, about the situation surrounding Raheem and Gabriel Jesus, who we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, he, he's been thinking about his city future for a long time, and we've reported on this for nearly 12 months now that... He is thinking, have I done all I can at the Etihad? Plus, let's not forget to... He hasn't won the Champions to... League, Graham. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Back <laughs> to the start of the season, after his brilliant Euro campaign, he wasn't in the City team. And he only got back in towards the end of the year. And before that, he he was in touch with Barcelona. They were looking at a potential loan deal. They went with Ferran Torres in the end because Pep didn't want Sterling to go. But yeah, Sterling's looking at us now and thinking... Where, what does the future hold for me? We've got Haaland and Alvarez coming in at City. We've got Jesus, who was preferred on the right for much of the time. We've got Phil Foden, who isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So I think the time is right now, but he really does like the idea of playing abroad. That is easier said than done, as we said, with Barca and Real. You know, we know they are interested, but getting a deal done for those two clubs particularly isn't always easy. So there is Premier League interest, as you said, Scott. We know Chelsea are looking closely at this, and they've got the finances to get this deal done. We know that. They are looking at a lot of options for their for their forward line. We have said that Thomas Tuchel really wants to rejig this forward line. And where that is with Lukaku out, maybe Dembele coming in. And Sterling could be another big aspect of this as well. I think he'd suit Thomas Tuchel. So we need to keep out. This one is true. They really do like him. And But yeah, you're not alone. Tottenham are in this as well. I'm told that Harry Kane might be doing some background work here. Might be trying to persuade his England teammate. They play very well together, these two. Let's not rule it out. And so if he's considering Chelsea, why wouldn't he consider Tottenham? Antonio Conte is just as impressive probably more than Thomas Tuchel in many ways. So, yeah, I'd take Tottenham seriously and they can offer Champions League football as well. We know Tottenham, they've been linked after the likes of Jesus, Richarlison. We know they want someone to play on that right-hand side, maybe an attacking threat as well. Sterling ticks a lot of boxes for Spurs too. So it's really, really interesting, Raheem Sterling. We know that City, he hasn't really officially rejected that contract yet. We are expecting that. And City have told both him, Jesus, Mares, Gundogan, yeah, if you don't sign these new deals, you will be sold this summer. But there is a bit of an asterisk there, only on City's terms. You know, you you won't be getting Sterling or Hazus for twenty million pounds. You know, don't try and do a Sadio Mane by Munich here. If if you if you low ballers, they won't be going anywhere. Harry, we'll talk about uh, Gabby Jesus in a second, but Toby, I'll come to you uh, just for now. Raheem Sterling potentially leaving for, you know, Chelsea have a lot of forward options. Tottenham seem to strike upon a front three of Kulusevski, Son and Kane to the back end of last season, which really worked out. When, when you see, let's say, Tottenham jump in the mix or if Chelsea go ahead and end up tempting him to Stamford Bridge, where, where does he fit into those teams? I think starting with Chelsea, they obviously have to make a decision on the future of Timo Werner. We know Romelu Lukaku, which we'll come to shortly, is likely leaving Chelsea. Timo Werner has operated in the wide area on the left. They've got Christian Pulisic, they've got Callum Hudson-Odoi, they've got loads of options, but I think it's clear Thomas Tuchel doesn't necessarily back any of them. And I would imagine that Sterling's preferred position is playing wide left. It's what he's done for England for many years. It's where he was successful for Manchester City for most of the time. But don't forget, he did operate on the right for a long time when Leroy Sane was at Manchester City and he was equally as good on the right. So... If it is the right-hand side, that's where Tottenham could maybe come into the equation because you can't see why Antonio Conte would want to move Son Heung-min from the left-hand side. He had a great season, won the Golden Boot last year. Harry Kane through the middle. 
Kulisevsky blows a bit hot and cold, doesn't he? He's not always on his game. And I guess if Sterling were to go to Spurs, it might be the right-hand side that he would be more favoured. But I would imagine he'd fit in more at, at Chelsea and would be a guaranteed starter on that left. Um, just depends whether or not he wants to play under Tuchel. And I'd imagine Chelsea will play a back four, whereas Spurs are likely to stick with their wing-back um, preference and can you have Ivan Perisic and maybe Raheem Sterling operating on the same side? Not sure. Um, we don't know who Tottenham's right wing back will be at the moment. Might be Jed Spence, could still be Emerson Royale. Would they want Raheem Sterling doubling up on defensive duties? Maybe not. Um, so for me, Chelsea feels like a better fit if he weren't to go abroad. But Barcelona are working on so many deals that you can't imagine who they're going to sign next. They can't even register one player at the moment, so it's... It's quite amusing to see them trying to chase about 15 different players at the same time. Harry, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk Jesus in a little bit, but Tottenham going for Raheem Sterling or, you know, are Tottenham's ambitions so far as an Arsenal fan making you think, all right, better hold on here, better think ahead to next season and where are Arsenal in the pecking order in North London now? Well, I got a lot of uh, criticism on the last video we did on this channel. I was called salty by numerous people when I said that the business that Spurs had done so far didn't massively scare me. And, you know, that's not me being, you know, sort of poking fun at a rival or, or trying to play down what they're doing. I just think that a lot of the deals they've done so far are deals that they could have done with or without Champions League football. Um, I, I don't think that Daniel Levy and Tottenham have gone that extra mile yet in the transfer window to show that, you know, they're really trying to make a statement and to really show their intent to take another step forward. That's not to say they won't do it, because I believe that Antonio Conte will be pushing for that very, very hard. And we know that normally Antonio Conte gets what he wants or he walks. So um, so I think that they probably will do more business. But at this moment in time, I mean, I, I agree with Toby. I don't really know where Raheem Sterling fits into the picture at somewhere like Tottenham. I think Chelsea's a much more... Um, safer option for him in terms of sort of being in a side that's ready to push on sooner. But also, uh, I think the, the the system and the way they play and, and what we know Thomas Tuchel likes, I think suits him a lot more, if I'm being honest. So on uh, the players that are out of contract at Man City, we've mentioned Ilkay Gundogan briefly, but uh, they're expecting Riyad Mahrez, who is out of contract in 2023, potentially to sign a new, or he's the most likely of the three attacking players that they have that are out of contract in 2023 to re-sign and sign a new deal. But Gabby Jesus is also in the piece that we put out on 90min.com today. You can hopefully find that in the description if you're listening on YouTube and hopefully in the audio description of this as well if you're listening on a podcast platform. Uh, Arsenal are looking at Gabby Jesus quite hard, Harry. You're happy with this one, aren't you? You're happy with yeah, this Yeah, I think this would be a great sign-in. I think that he's the type of striker that we need somebody who can be aggressive who can press who can run in behind who can offer a threat inside the six yard box I think he ticks so many of the boxes uh, that Mikel Arteta probably was looking at going into this summer I think that you know we're hearing a lot and Graham will probably be able to tell us better but we're hearing from a lot of places that this deal isn't a million miles away from being completed I think that the big draw for Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal, and I know people will poke fun at us and say, you know, they're not in the Champions League. Why would he want to go there? Why would he want to downgrade from Manchester City? I think the the draw of being able to play as a central striker week in, week out um, appeals to Gabriel Jesus. Look at Brazil as well, going into the World Cup. You know, they've got an abundance of options in the wide attacking areas, but not so much through the middle. And I think Gabriel Jesus will be looking at this as an opportunity to bed down what we believe to be his preferred position and really make a mark and an impact that way. I think the familiarity with, with Mikel Arteta helps. I know, again, rival fans poke fun at Mikel Arteta and talk about his relative inexperience. But when you hear from City players that have worked under him as, you know, when he was coaching, they've always got glowing things to say about him. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if this happens and I'd be delighted if it does. Uh, Graham, on, on Jesus, I mean, you can check out on that piece that we've uh, published on nightmin.com today. There's a lot of clubs interested in Gabi Jesus, isn't there? We've got Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Juventus, AC Milan have all have some kind of interest in him, although it does look like, would it be right to say that the English clubs are at the forefront of the chase? And what, what's the latest you can tell us on Jesus's future? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, this one. As we said, Arsenal have been the loudest in this chase, I would say. 
And I think if I was to ask, don't get confused for, for being loud in the chase, for being at the front of it. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes here. A lot of teams are doing the work on, on him. And that, I still, yeah, as I said to, to you guys before the show, I'm still mystified by what Jesus is thinking here. I, I can't understand what he what, what he's thinking. And, and and Harry, when he's saying he, he's good in the six-yard box, his goal-scoring record does nothing for me. If you're still paying 60 million for this lad, and you're thinking he's going to score you the goals to get you back in the top four, I'm I'm not entirely convinced. It, but <laughs> but yeah, well, look at it. He's got he watched, He's got double figures twice in his Man City career, and he's played nearly 250 games. Um, but anyway, I I like him on the right. I think he'd be wonderful. I think he's world class on the right. I think he's he's good in the middle, but I think he's world class on the right. And there still could be room for that at Arsenal, you know. They, who, who knows how they're going to play? But I think there is a lot of interest here. I wouldn't rule Chelsea out the equation necessarily, but you know they're looking at Dembele and as you said Sterling. I think they're more likely. I still think he might go abroad. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling. I still think he might look at a, a Milan, a Milan, which is the club actually. Interesting fact. I was told this. I looked it up. I was surprised. Milan, the club he supported as a youngster, actually. He has a lot of love. Why wasn't that Man United? Oh, no, that's Sterling, sorry. Yeah. So, he, Sterling. And he said before he went to see, it was a reason he turned down Juventus and I think Inter at the time that he was a Milan fan and he always wanted to go there. So I'd keep I keep them in the equation, yeah. But it's just, we we know that they want 60 million City. They're going to sell him. Um, he, he still hasn't rejected that contract offer fully. And we know City are absolutely mystified by his stance here. He, he, it's coming out that he'll get regular football, but he, he was a first-choice player at City towards the end of the season. And you know, it worried me. If he's not backing himself to beat Julian Alvarez to the team place, then I think, you know, you, you, you need to do that. And and Harry said he does need a player. He's got the World Cup coming up. He's not guaranteed to get in that Brazilian squad because that is full of talent. You know, Richarlison seems to get in ahead of him at times. Um, and another player who Arsenal are looking at. So, no, it's a really intriguing chase, this one, to Gabriel Jesus. It does look like he will be leaving City, but again, like Sterling, City making it clear to his people, it's on our terms. You're not going to be leaving for £20, £30 million pound here. You're going to be leaving for 50 60 So, when we'll see where it goes. When he plays for Brazil, does he play through the middle or does he play on the wing? Because I'm just looking, as you speak, Graham, about his international goal-scoring record. He scored once in his last he, 17 international games for Brazil. I think he says to me he's probably not down the middle. I think, didn't he play? He played at the World Cup down the middle and didn't score a goal. And since then, he's been pushed back out to the flank. I think he was given that chance to stake a claim for the number nine shirt, which has been an issue for Brazil, actually. They've got lots of players who can play from his wides, which I think where um, Matias Nunes, is it the Atletico striker, was getting his chance. Um, you know, Richard, all these players have got Neymar, Richarlison. Uh, Vinicius Junior, all players who love to come from out wide, they do struggle for that number nine rolling. But I don't think Hayes uh, will be getting that chance because I think he had his chance and and didn't take it. Which reminds me of his City spell as well. You know, whenever you see him up front for City, I think he's wholly unimpressive. But he's a different. I think he's a different player on that right. And I, I'd like to go back to Harry. Harry, do you really think he's the number nine for sixty million pounds? I think, yeah, I think when you look at his overall goal scoring record, I don't really understand why why people are so critical of it, to be honest. I mean, this is a player that for the most part has been a substitute at Manchester City. I know you can point to, you know, how many times he's made double figures in a season. You're talking about a guy that's got 95 goals and 46 assists in 236 appearances. That's like, you know, that, that's pretty decent for me. It's like 140 roughly goal contributions in 236 games. I don't know what more you could ask but from you're not, a player. No, you're not, but you're not, pay, you're, not buying a, you're not paying 60 million for number nine to create assists, though, Harry. No, but in, 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 Mik- no, in Mikel Arteta's Arsenal system, you yeah. are. And, yeah, and that's so. that's important. That's why it's, mm. a, it's a good fit. If you think about the best football that Arsenal played last season, the best runs of form that they went on, it was with Lacazette spearheading the attack and bringing Saka into the game and Smith-Rowe and Odegaard and Martinelli. And we're talking about Lacazette, who scored four Premier League goals last season. So I think Mikel Arteta is looking at that stuff. And that's why I think it's a really good fit, because it's not just about what he does in the six-yard box, as I mentioned. It's about the dynamic that he brings to the entire forward line. And and, and I think that Arteta's view is is much more holistic than that. And, and, you know, I think that's why he's after him. Harry, can I... 
Sorry, Scott. It's important they bring in the right striker, isn't it, to make sure they continue getting the best out of Saka and Smith Rowe because they both scored double-figure goals in the Premier League last year. Smith Rowe off comparatively not many minutes. So I guess Arsenal don't necessarily need a 20-goal striker immediately, but they do need somebody who can hit double figures, you would have thought, without harming the amount of chances that are going to Smith Rowe, to Saka, to Odegaard, to Martinelli, if he's the one starting on the left. Enketia back, Harry. You got Enketia back. Happy? This is what I wanted to say. Yeah. Eddie and Ketty are given number fourteen in a new contract. Uh, thoughts, Harry? I mean, I've seen a lot of outrage on social media over the last few days with regards to the number. First of all, the number fourteen, the iconic number fourteen. I mean, Theo look, Walcott's he... number fourteen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Theo Walcott wore it. I was asked, what does that mean? Martin Keown wore it in the past. David Hillier wore it in the past. It, it's not always been an iconic number. It's the player that turned it into an iconic number uh, in Thierry Henry that's kind of elevated it to that. So I'm not too fussed about that. With regards to the contract for Enketi, I think it's a win-win for Arsenal because you've avoided losing him on a free. You know, if he doesn't get the minutes that he wants next season, you could still sell him for five, ten million pounds, maybe even slightly more in today's market. People are, are kind of scoffing at the £100,000 a week rumoured wage. If you think that Arsenal will... Arsenal were never going to go out this summer and buy two strikers. It wasn't going to happen. And if they did try and buy a second striker, they'd be talking minimum twenty twenty-five million pounds for a backup striker. This is a much more cost-effective way of doing it whilst, uh, you know, preserving his value. And I do think that at the back end of last season, he looked good and he showed signs and there's no reason why he can't play in the Cups and why he can't thrive in the Europa League group stage in particular. So I'm okay with it. Um, I, I didn't think we'd go and bring two strikers in. If we go and bring one top-level striker in and, and Eddie and Ketty as the backup, I'm okay with that. He's still, got, he's still got to step it up though, hasn't he? He's got, I know he hasn't had many opportunities at Arsenal, but to reward a player with a five-year deal on those kind of wages when he scored 10 Premier League goals in his life. And I always think Nketi is only around 20 years old. He's not. He's 23. So he's got to start making an impact. And it wouldn't surprise me if in 12, 18 months' time, Arsenal may be thinking, hmm, why did we do five years? Yeah, why, agreed. Why didn't, but... we do th- why didn't we do three? Agreed. Um, but they'd be able to sell him for a, a decent amount based on that, that length of the contract. I think that's how they're looking at it. I can see Toby getting angry. He knows West Ham are going to pay 15 million for a non-scoring <laughs> in, in two years' time, he knows what West Ham are going to do. The, the cogs are turning, Graham. Now. I can already foresee the future. Uh, Arsenal already or also looking uh, to strengthen a number of other areas as well. Uh, Lisandro Martinez' interest. Uh, it seems like every player that plays for Ajax at the moment is leaving Ajax. Uh, we'll talk about Julian Timber later. We all know already, or we've reported extensively about Man United's interest in Anthony, who plays on the wing. Sebastian Haller, we'll talk about him a little bit later as on, on as well. He's on his way to Dortmund. Lisandro Martinez' uh, interest from Arsenal. Some interest from Man United as well, Graham. What's uh, what can you tell us about his future? Yeah, we did a piece on Friday. You know, Arsenal have gone in for him. They like him a lot. A lot of interest in this guy. But the big thing with him, he, he does want to leave Ajax. He's told them. We understand. He's told Ajax he wants to leave. He plays not left hand side. He he's a he's an outstanding player, and he can cover a lot of positions. One reason I think Harry will tell us why Arsenal are showing interest in him. He can play centre half. He can play left back. He can play holding midfield. So it's not a surprise to see how many teams are in for him. And again, this may be a North London battle because we're hearing that Spurs like like this guy a lot, and and they do have a bit of a trump card possibly in the fact that Ajax really wants Steven Bergvine. So could Spurs offer him an exchange? From what we understand from Ajax, it's an interesting one. It does impact on Anthony a little bit here, Scott, because they they don't really want to let too many more players go. They've lost Masrui and grabbing back grabbing Birch already. The Timber is probably staying, but Haller we've seen is emerging now as a target for Bayern, and and they don't they really want to lose one more player. They don't want to lose another another two. So it looks like it might be Martinez who gets let out rather than Anthony, which is interesting. But yeah, Martinez he's got a lot of interest around. You, you, we, we're, we're hearing that United do hold an interest. Did a switch from from Timber to Martinez? Um, what does that? I, I, I do get a bit. It's a bit strange when I, I don't know what you think, Scott. Where Clearly, Ten Hag thinks that whatever play, whatever position you wanted Timber to play, that Timber's better at it than Martinez. 
Yeah, it does. It does seem to indicate <laughs> that. And I, obviously, I know that uh, we reported on Jurian Timbers' feature on Friday last week, uh, and it's come out over the weekend essentially that he's not really ready to move yet because you know of the World Cup. I, I just can't see somebody like Jurian Timber or Lisandro Martinez if they're playing in central defence. No matter how bad Harry Maguire's been, I, I can't see Eric Ten Hag being ballsy enough to drop the £80 million Man United captain mm. without giving him, a, giving him a chance to recover some of his form. I can't, I can't see him being displaced permanently. And then you've got Rafa Varane, who, yeah, he's had a lot of injury problems, but I can't, you know, what are you going to do, turf him out? Is he going to play a back three? I thought, I looked at Julian Timber and thought, if they managed to tempt him to come to Old Trafford, he'd probably be the stopgap at right back. You know, because he can play across, he can play right across the back line. But you look at Martinez, and yeah, he can play centre half, he can play left back, he can play in defensive midfield as well. You know, can cover a lot of different positions. Could he but... be looking at a three, Scott? We've we've alluded to this in before. I do wonder is is he is he thinking that a three at the back might be an option here? I can't. I, I don't know whether you can see it. I can't personally see that. I just wonder so. why, because obviously the light poor Torres in for him, but they seem to be going for two defenders. Which I don't, unless obviously, unless they've got by, I think Eric Bay will probably leave Jones as well. But I don't think they impact on the first team, which I, I, I think it might end why. up. They might end up coming down to that. And in terms of, you know, Eric Bay, he's not been happy for a long time at United. Uh, well, we're supposed to do a United section later on. This is about <laughs> this is all, all about the Arsenal interest in uh, Lisandro Martinez. Yeah. But you know, uh, Victor Lindelof, United will sell him for a an acceptable fee. Not saying that he will go, but United have. Axel Twenzebe, uh, Eric Bailly and Phil Jones, who are three centre-halves, who are not going to get a look in next season, you'd think. Uh, so maybe they do need to bolster in that position. But uh, Lisandro Martinez, we'll maybe touch on him a little bit later on as well, because there is some interest from United. We've also talked Julian Timber as well, so I can eliminate that from my notes for later in the show. But uh, let's talk about Chelsea versus Barcelona. It seems to be uh, a big... There's a slew of players involved here, Graham, about... You know, Chelsea, Chelsea, and Barcelona are competing for certain players here. Let's let's start with mm-hmm. Jules Koundé, who has been of interest to Chelsea for a long time. Uh, Barcelona, we all know about their financial problems and the difficulties they've had getting in the way of registering new players. This kind of thing. What's the latest on Chelsea's interest in him? Because they've been in the driver's seat for a long time, haven't they? Yeah, you know, this is a player who's wanted to come to Chelsea for a long time. If we remember back to last summer. They were looking at him as the replacement for, for Kurt Zuma. It was one of the reasons they were letting Zuma out and they were looking to bring Koundé in. At the time, they, they weren't willing to do this deal. Um, Chelsea could have done an awful lot of deals last summer, <laughs> Chumani and Koundé. They would, would have been better off. But yeah, they're still in for him. The players agreed terms a long time ago with Chelsea. It's just been between the two clubs. Now, this hasn't been pro- progressing like Koundé would want. And then it transpires last week that Xavi has made it known he would quite like Koundé. Even though they've signed Andreas Christensen, this is just how Barcelona work, isn't it? <laughs> Mystifying. This is the same Barcelona who want Aspilicueta and Alonso. Now, what we're hearing is that Koundé's people are growing a little bit agitated here at Chelsea. It's like, yeah, we've agreed terms. The player wants to come. He's been loyal to a certain extent by not, they, they haven't been flaunting themselves with, with other teams as well. They haven't been looking to get into Barcelona. Barcelona looked at him, you know. Koundé hasn't been coming out at any point offering himself to Tottenham or Arsenal or anyone. He's, he's wanting to go, he wants to go to Chelsea. So they're saying, now is the time for Chelsea to step up. And we do understand that talks are beginning this week. At the moment, it's a 60, £69 million release clause at Seville. Chelsea don't want to pay it. You know, it's... Clubs love a haggle. Don't it? It's like it's like Del Boy in the market. You know, you, you want to get ninety nine p off all the time for these players. I think Chelsea are at the moment below sixty. I think if they get above sixty, the deal is very close. And I think this week we'll see a bit of progress. On the back of this, with this Chelsea Barcelona thing, this is one deal where Chelsea are a little bit aggrieved here with Barcelona because this is the same Barcelona who were talking to Chelsea saying, "Oh, can we have Alonso and Aspi for virtually nothing?" <laughs> So I'm told if, if Barcelona persist in this Koundé chase and even get him, they won't be getting Aspi, Lequeta and Alonso. It may seem tit for tat, but hey, some clubs can be like that. And if you're going to do that. So I think in the end, it is what we've thought all along. I think it's been a few bumps in the track, but I think that Koundé will go to Chelsea and that will allow then Barcelona to try and get Alonso and Aspi if they're allowed to register players by the time the season starts. 
Uh, Osman Dembele and Serginio Dest also uh, in a tug of war, essentially. Maybe Serginio Dest's name is, but his name's been floated around. For example, he, he's probably part. Yeah, he's probably part. Of, right. He's probably part of the Aspen Alonso deal. Just because Barca don't have a lot of cash, it's just going to be easier, maybe, for them to send Dest to Stamford Bridge, who we know two good legs. He's been offered to United as well. Dest is a, it's a tremendous player, and as I've said before. If they get if Chelsea get Dest and Aspi and Alonso go out, Chelsea could land on right on their feet there. You know, they're getting rid of two players who are coming towards the end of their careers anyway. Um and we know Alonso doesn't get on with two kill as well. So I think that could be the one to land on the feet. And Dembele, this one, this is the one where it's not really a battle between the clubs, because it's one where you know Dembele is out of contract. He's a free transfer. And as I said, I think this could be the deal of the summer, really. I think Chelsea are firm favourites. Nothing's agreed just yet. Dembele is taking his time. And I think he's given Barcelona every chance to make him a, a proper offer. And at the moment, they haven't. And so it was PSG, very much in the chase. But we think Louis Campos has other ideas. Now he's in at PSG as a de facto sporting director. I think he's got he wants to really make his put his um fingerprints all over that transfer plan for PSG. So they've changed a little bit. But yeah, um, Chelsea is still in for him. It hasn't progressed Dembele yet, but I don't think Chelsea are too worried about that one. But that one between the two clubs, I said, Barcelona aren't really angry at Chelsea for that because, hey, he's a free agent and um, anyone's up for grabs when they're a free agent. If um, if Chelsea are getting Dembele and they're interested in Sterling, that again just reinforces that Thomas Tuchel wants a completely new front line, doesn't he? Kai yeah, Havertz exactly. will probably have to play through yeah. the middle still, but everybody else, you would argue... Well, you say that, Toby. You say that, Toby, but I was just going going to introduce the name Robert Lewandowski to the mix because Chelsea <laughs> are keeping in touch about him as well. It has obviously come out, and Lewandowski's pretty much told Bayern, I want to leave, let me go. His first-choice destination is Barcelona, but we all know Barcelona's issues mm. uh, with finances, salary, etc., etc., um, just before we get on to him, Harry, I want to come to you to talk about Romelu Lukaku because Chelsea looking at a potential new number nine or all of these forward options because Romelu Lukaku is seemingly on the verge of rejoining Inter. So is he ever going to come back to the Premier League? To, how, how do you sum up his Premier League career? Because he's played for West Brom, Everton, Chelsea, United. Uh, it's not worked out for him this time around, has it? And you know, United were slated for selling Lukaku a few years ago. How, how should we look at Chelsea's, how they've dealt with it? The chant, what a waste of money, comes to mind uh, first and foremost when you think about that. Because, you know, look, let's be honest, they've they've spent a hell of a lot of money on him and, and now they're going to have to cut their losses and they're going to basically end up accepting a, a loan deal that sees him return to Inter. And what are they going to do? Shift part of his wages? I, I don't think they're going to be able to shift all of it onto Inter, whose financial situation right now isn't great. Um, but obviously, he's been clear that he would like to return to Inter. It's a club that you know he kind of fell in love with during his time there. And he was very, very good uh, under Antonio Conte there. Now, Simone Inzaghi is the current boss, and I think that he would bring a lot of the same qualities out of Romelu Lukaku, but it's not quite Antonio Conte. There are differences. So there's not even a guarantee that he's going to go back to Inter and be as prolific and as formidable as he was during his first spell there. But, you know, it is what it is. I think that all of us at the time when Chelsea made that sign-in thought, yeah, it's a lot of money, but it could be the deal that takes them from, you know, Champions League qualifiers to title challenges. Uh, it really did feel that way. And um, I don't want to beat them up too much about that decision because I think at the time many of us felt, yeah, th this is a good sign. It just hasn't worked out for a number of reasons. And and it kind of, again, ties into what Toby and Graham were saying about that desire at Chelsea now to rebuild the front line. If they're going to have to cut their losses on Romelu Lukaku to do that, then, then I think they're quite willing to do that at this stage. Toby, how do you reflect on Lukaku's Chelsea career? Well, his Chelsea career has been a complete disaster, hasn't it? But I think that's more Chelsea's use of him. Me and you have long advocated for how good this is very true, actually, Romelu Lukaku yeah. is. And we defended him when he was at Manchester United going through perceived troubles. But he still scored 27 goals in all comps in his first season at United. It was only 15 the following year. And that's when he eventually moved on to Windsor. But I think he is a top, top centre forward. Just hasn't been used very well. 
And the suggestion is that Thomas Tuchel never really wanted him in the first place. And it was kind of a marquee signing that was just put upon him. Um, when they played Arsenal at the Emirates last season, I thought he's going to be great. Scored that opening goal and Chelsea were really good that day. But it hasn't worked out. And that Lukaku's made mistakes of his own. He said a lot of things that he shouldn't have said. He's acted in what many would feel to be an unprofessional manner. Um, so a return to winter is the best thing for all parties. And look, Chelsea agreed a deal of £97.5 million for him, but they've not paid anywhere near that amount of money yet. So they'll be able to recoup some of the earnings from a, or some of the money rather from a loan fee that Inter will pay. Uh, his wages will probably have to be reduced, much like Anthony Martial to go to Sevilla. I would imagine he's going to take a cut to make sure that move can happen. Um, but it's a shame, and I don't think he'll ever return to the Premier League, Scott. I just think there's too much damage that has been done. And he's a good fit for Inter, and he can be there for another couple of years. And then another move would possibly take him to another country. But I think his Premier League time is probably up. Yeah, Toby and I down the years have uh, often talked about how Romelu Lukaku has been used. You know, he he said this in many interviews as well. I think he even said it in his interview that blew up and ended up sending his Chelsea career the wrong way about, you know, people kind of see me as this hold-up player, you know, big guy, plays his back to goal, et cetera, et cetera. But you saw some of his best moments at Inter. Harry, you watch a lot of Serie A. Some of his best moments at Inter where we was able to get the ball at his feet, travel with it and, you know, run at defenders rather than having his back to goal. I remember there was an, a goal at the Emirates, which you'll remember very well, Harry, when the United played Arsenal in the FA Cup and he played on the right-hand side and he travelled down the right side and, like, I think he set up Jesse Lingard at the back post. But that's the kind of Romelu Lukaku we didn't see at Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And and he's got, as you say, he's got that ability to to show other sides to his game. It's just been really limited at Chelsea in terms of what he's been allowed to do. Thomas Tuchel um, is a manager who... You know, has been, I think, has struggled to settle on a front line throughout his duration at Chelsea. You know, there's always been changes. There's been sort of chopping and changing regularly in order for him to try and find that right balance. But as you say, Lukaku can offer a threat in behind. He can offer a threat when he picks the ball up wide and has the freedom of, of drifting inside. He, he's got so much to offer if you just use it right. And, and Antonio Conte was so good at extracting that all out of him and, and sort of built a system that really suited Romelu Lukaku. But, you know, if you're going to make such a big investment on Romelu Lukaku, then you have to know and understand that you have to use him in a certain way to make good on that investment. And clearly, as you said, you know, I think Toby said it, Chelsea, maybe there was a bit of uh, back and forth in the boardroom about that signing because it doesn't look like everybody was on board with it. Do you remember the goals he used to score for Everton? It was pace, power. He was driving at defenders. He scored a lot from outside the box. He was just frightening. And he would take on three or four defenders and they would back off away from him. But it's, maybe it's because you're playing for a bigger club and defensive lines are sitting deeper that he hasn't been afforded that opportunity to hit sides on the counter-attack. But that's when he was at his absolute best in the Premier League when he had the ball and he ran with it. Um, I wish it had worked out differently for him. I do because I think he's... He's a brilliant striker to watch when he's at his best, but Inter's going to be the best landing place for him now to continue his career, undoubtedly. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave a comment in the uh, in the comment section about what you what you make of Romelu Lukaku's career at Chelsea. It looks like he's bound for Inter. Let us know where you think Raheem Sterling will end up. Gabriel Jesus, is he a good potential signing for Arsenal? Get in the comment section and let us know. We'll try and respond. Also, Follow uh, Nighty Min on Twitter at Nighty Min underscore football. Follow us as well on Twitter at, at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simeu, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth too. Uh, just get in touch with us about any of the stories that we talked about today, but let's refer back to, uh, it was very hard to kind of tie in the Barcelona-Chelsea stuff all together there and go to Lukaku and now pop back to Robert Lewandowski, Graham. Chelsea are keeping in touch about Lewandowski's future. Is it... it is his first choice Barcelona? What are we waiting on here for Barcelona to kind of get this one done? Did Chelsea have a chance? Yeah, Chelsea, 
from their part, they haven't made any offers for Lewandowski. That that's not true. They've been virtually offered the player. They've been kept informed, and they're not the only club, but they've been kept informed of the situation. His people know that Lukaku is leaving. Obviously, we did so the weekend. Lukaku's agreed terms now, and that was described to me as all parties are taking some medicine to get that deal done. You know, they're they're all they're all going to benefit equally or suffer equally, as it as it were. But yeah, they're all doing that to get it done. So they do need a replacement for Lukaku to Chelsea. And it's interesting, I listen to you guys talking, and I think the thing with Tuchel, what he would argue is, you know, the, the Zayic, Pulisic, Werner, Lukaku, none were his signings. No wonder he wants to dismantle his forward line. You know, we, he's got Havertz up there doing a great job. Um, he's had to play Mason Mount wide right. I'm sure he doesn't want to play Mason Mount wide right. And then next season, I think we'll see that with, with Conor Gallagher coming back. This Chelsea team, from just a couple of signings, could be very different and could be a lot more impressive. You know, and and, and Dembele on the free, Sterling possibly or someone like that. And then that other centre-forward. And Lewandowski, you know, it's one where Chelsea are keeping in touch. They know Pineda Harvey very well. He's the agent of Lewandowski. And he's promised him this move to Barcelona, but he's promised him something that he can't guarantee. You know, Barcelona are going to have a lot of options here in terms of in terms of the forwards. They're looking at Rafinha, they're desperate to get him in. You know, they've got Ferran Torres, Aubameyang. They might end up going for Raheem Sterling instead. I don't think there's any guarantees that Lewandowski is that man. He would cost an absolute fortune for Barcelona. And I know they've done all these deals, etc. the finances, but their bank, you know, their bank manager will be looking at them saying, you've managed to do all this and then you're giving some 33-year-old 400 grand a week. What are you doing? I don't think there's any guarantee that he ends up there. So if Chelsea, I think they are one of the teams in the mix for sure, and there could be some sort of deal where I could I could see him being going there for a year, replacing Lukaku, then he moves to Barca and Chelsea get their striker. I think there's a lot of options here. It's one to keep an eye on. He's not a priority at this moment for Chelsea, but they've been kept informed of events, and there's a long way to go in this window. But yeah. It, it, and and, it, and I think what it will do is it will test Lewandowski's resolve. He said he doesn't want to play for Bayern. If Barcelona isn't on the table, would he rather stay at Bayern, who are lining up his replacement? We'll come to Scott as well. That Bayern are moving on from him now. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but let's move on to uh, final story. Unless you guys have anything else to kind of talk about, let's let's talk Frankie De Jong because we have to talk about Man United. Uh, at some point in this podcast. We haven't done a Declan Rice mention yet, Toby, actually. Uh, we don't but... need to. We don't yeah. need to. We, we, should get, we should get Harry, Harry's opinion on this. Harry, we've got a United bet going between the three of us. Which Who is going to be the highest finishing United in the Premier League next season? We've got three, we've got three different clubs. Uh, West Ham, Manchester and Newcastle. I'm still going to lean towards Manchester at the moment. I think you Ten Hag is a good you, coach. You wouldn't put your pension on it, though, would you? I wouldn't put my pension on anything because it's the Premier <laughs> League. But, <laughs> but I, I would lean towards Manchester United. Um, if they get some of the business that I think they might get done, uh, then I think they'll be in a in a better place. And I think they've finally got a decent coach for the first time in, in about three years. So, yeah, why not? Three years, possibly longer, depending on how you view football nowadays. Obviously, they've had Jose Mourinho in the past. As well, who isn't, I think the only thing that he used to really do was uh, work on defensive structures and just allow his attackers to go and just make it up on the spot. Whereas Eric Ten Hag, I, I saw a report the other day that mentioned that Marcus Rashford was actually quite quite excited to work under a coach that would try and improve him uh, for the first time in his senior career. Uh, you know, it's not far wrong, but uh, obviously Eric Ten Hag would like to sign Frankie de Jong. Uh, we've put a piece out on nightman.com. Around the latest, United have made uh, an approach to Barcelona. They, But basically, they haven't met Barcelona's fee. So I think United are going to return back this week with a potentially upgraded offer of around €70 million, Euros, possibly rising to €80 million, Euros, which is... Not quite what Barcelona want, but they're hopeful, United, that this one will end up getting done. As far as we understand, as much as Frankie Diong has come out and said that he would like to stay at Barcelona, he understands the circumstances of Barcelona find themselves in. Uh, they have a salary cap to meet. They have to cut, you know, a hell of a lot of money off the annual salary. And Frankie Diong is among the highest earning players at Barcelona. Uh, United will 
United are confident that they'll be able to get this done. It's just about whether they can agree the fee with Barcelona or not. De Jong, as much as he would like to stay at Barcelona, understands the situation and would move to United, as we understand it, providing a deal can be done. Harry, how do you... You mentioned there about uh, potential signings that United will end up making or that they are linked with. How, how important do you think this De Jong deal is to Eric Ten Hag's philosophy? I think it's massive because I think that that particular area of the park has been a problem for Manchester United for a number of seasons now. But I also think that he kind of needs to make that almost statement signing that kind of says, I'm here, this is the way I want to play and this guy's going to be the linchpin of that. So I think that, yeah, I think it's a, the, the Young deal in particular is massive. And if I was United and I, I was set on him as the target, I'd, I'd be understanding that this might take a bit of time, might take a bit of difficult negotiating. But, you know, Barcelona will make noises like they don't need to sell and, and this and that. But if, if the price is right, I think we can all say that, you know, pretty confidently that Barcelona will be interested at least in hearing United out. So I think that signing in particular will be massive. And even if they go on to only make one or two more, um, you know, I, I'd still think they're in much better shape if they can get that done. Toby, uh, in 2023, can we see a De Jong-Rice midfield axis, do you think? Maybe. We'll, we'll get one more year out of Declan Rice and I'm not deluding myself that he, he needs to leave for the good of his career at some point and he will play for a top, top team. Whether Manchester United are that top, top team depends on how they do this season because my eyes are still on him probably fitting in at Manchester City quite nicely um, in truth. But from United's perspective, if they manage to get Rice to go alongside De Jong and then third central midfielder, they'd be incredibly strong and that area of the park, and that is United's major weakness, as you'll know, Scott, that they can't get hold of games. They don't have a, a dictator. They don't have somebody to break up the play effectively. It needs a complete refit. Um, Frankie de Jong would be the first part of that, and I agree he is a huge statement signing, potentially. A lot of pressure on him. I said that in the podcast last week. Be a lot of pressure on his shoulders to deliver, but if United could then deliver Declan Rice on top of de Jong, in a year's time, I think you'd probably be a very happy boy, wouldn't you, Scott? Well, I think that would be as good a midfield in, as you can find a midfield axis, midfield pairing as you can find across Europe. It's just whether United can use them properly. But Graham, we've reported a number of times over the past few weeks that United are looking at a number of players. De Jong does seem to be the first priority for this. But they would like a second midfielder as well this summer? Yeah. It's an interesting one that we touched on, Martinez. We don't quite know what formation he's going for here. We know we know Van der Beek is coming back in. He's going to get a chance. Um, James Garner's coming back as well. He might get a chance, you know, um, ahead of McFred. It would surprise me if he did get in ahead of them. He, he had a very good end of the season at Forest. He's very dynamic. And, you know, United fans love love a homegrown product. So I've seen him coming on fresh off promotion. I wouldn't rule him out of getting a few, bit of game time. But it's going to be really interesting to see is what they do for this holding role? Do they maybe step up for Ruben Neves again? That interest is still there as well. But it does seem, yeah, De Jong is first choice. We know they wanted Nunes. That wasn't going to happen. But De Jong, yeah, the talks are ongoing. They're getting closer. We know that Barcelona want to eke as much money out of De Jong as possible. We know, again, we talk about Barcelona and his deals. De Jong is really only their, their, their one big saleable asset. Even because they've got a lot of players, but not a lot, you know, the Martin Braithwaite of this world is not going to raise much money. <laughs> Frankie de Jong is. Um, so yeah, you can see why Barcelona, you know, their 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 finances again, very busy people at the minute. They're gonna be saying we need to get as much money out of de Jong as possible. And, and obviously it needs to be United and not overpaying. I don't think it will be, but as we've said before, de Jong's gonna come with a big wage as well. This will be one of the biggest deals of the window because even what we've seen in Nunes, he, he doesn't carry a 350 400,000 pound wage packet, De Jong does, and but United have agreed to pay that, Scott. So it's it's one where I, th I think United need to get this done, don't it, Scott? I think this is a huge one for United. It's a state, this is the statement signing, and it's one that shows the back in Ten Hag as well because Ten Hag we know wants him. Um, we've even seen the league videos confirming De Jong is the priority. Just gonna, what, what's your thoughts on that? I did, obviously, uh, if you haven't followed this, I'm sure, I'm sure you have seen it, but mm. what do you make of this? I mean, Richard Arnold uh, got wind the other day of, uh, you know, the United Chief Executive got wind the other day that there was a protest going to, going to happen around his house. He ended up turning up, turning up at a pub 
to actually talk to the fans mm. that were going to protest. And the fans that were going to protest leaked the video of him talking to them about the De Jong deal, among other things, about blowing through a billion pounds worth of stuff that you can't see any results on the training ground, this kind of thing. What do you make of that? A, was it the right thing for him to do? B, was it the right thing to leak it? <laughs> um, I, I think the fans were an absolute disgrace, to be honest. I think they were, and he went and meet them, and then the video of him doing it. If I was Richard, I'd make sure all of them were banned from all traffic for life, personally. His family home was being threatened. Yeah, they didn't say they were going, but they're going to, that's his family home. It's an absolute disgrace that the fans are even thinking about doing that. You know, it's a Manchester United. You're battling for the top four. Like, come and spot Sunderland and Middlesbrough, and then you know what struggles are. <laughs> Sorry, them fans are an absolute disgrace, and there's no forgiving for what they did. Then they came out and slagged him off afterwards for sitting down and talking to him. I read the Twitter of one of the guys doing it. Who said, oh, and then he was just slating him for what he said to them for meeting him. Sorry, I think them fans are an absolute disgrace and should be banned from all traffic for life. If I was Rich Arnold, I would. And if he did do that, fair play to him. I mean, yeah, looking at it, Harry, you've got some thoughts. Yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because, you know, obviously fans are incredibly passionate about their football club and they want to hold somebody accountable. They set up a protest. Um and and I think it's fine to protest as long as, you know, you, you do it in the right way. I, I don't agree with going to his family home and all of that kind of stuff or being in that area. I think that's, I think that's poor as well. Um, but, you know, on the one hand, you'll complain that, you know, the club are not transparent enough, that nobody really talks to the fans, that nobody gives them the time of day. Richard Arnold's done that. Um, he's taken time out of his day, which he didn't have to do really and truly in order to try and bridge that gap a little bit and hopefully sort of, squash some of the kind of ill feeling around the club at the time and then you go and leak what he said and, and you go and make a big thing out of it and you've put him in a potentially difficult situation now after he has tried to do the right thing I, I just think there needed to be a little bit more um thought behind the way that they leaked that out you know you know for example they could have gone and and put a statement together as a supporters group or something where they kind of highlighted some of the key points and said, look, this is what we want to put out to try and, you know, to, to make it clear that you spoke with us and all of that. I think there are ways of doing this. A, a video from under the pub table is just a little bit <laughs> underhanded for me. And, um, and I think if I was Richard Arnold, given he tried to do the right thing, I'd be quite disappointed. Joe, thanks, Scott. There's like these fans. If you really hate United and what they're going to stand for, go and support FC United. That's what they were set up for. If you're that unhappy... Go and support the other team. I think Richard Arnold's been dealt a bad hand here, to be honest. I mean, I completely agree with what you've said. I thought he actually represented himself mm. quite well. Uh, I'm not sure whether there's other fans who disagree with that, but I think he's, I don't know whether he knew he was being recorded or whatever, but like, you know, it looked like he just got on a level with supporters, which is what they've been demanding for X amount of but time. Do you think Scott had missed a chance as well? Because he sat down with them. As I agree with Harry, he, he, he was putting the um, the hand of peace out and, and he was trying to, there was a real chance for the supporters there to get to know him, to really impact on the future. And then fans have ruined it for those fans who would like to talk to him. They've ruined it for them. He, he went and met them. That, what a great opportunity to set up a future relationship. Yeah. And they've just ruined it, I think. All, they've they've the, killed the chance of, of having that connection going forward. Yeah. All of the misgivings that United fans had with Ed Woodward, and rightly so, have just transferred over to Richard Arnold, seemingly. That's massively and of, unfair. As well, yeah, like and it's hugely unfair. Um, but I've been impressed now... by him, Scott, hasn't it? Well, isn't that, it yeah. he's, been, he's been impressive, Richard Arnold. He, he, he got, he's put John Murtry in place to look after the football. They've got the manager that a lot of people wanted. They're backing him by going for DR. So I think he's done a good job, Toby, so far. I, I, I don't I, understand I agree. the issue. And I, th I think he was, frankly, probably too honest with what he said to the supporters. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't have thought that that was going to be leaked. Of course he wouldn't, because he probably wouldn't have gone into the detail that he did. But you could tell that he was talking to them on a supporter's level, but that bridge has now been burned for the next six, 12 months. And I know there's fans forums and there's always the opportunity for, for the board to meet with supporters. I'm not sure what the setup specifically is at United, Scott, but there is communication in some form. But of course, there's going to be caution now applied by United and anything that Richard Arnold wants to say in the future, because this has now happened. And I agree. I think he tried to do the right thing, um, by addressing it, it should never have come to the fact that he needed to protect his family home or or go to the pub just for 
fear of what might happen around his house, that's completely unacceptable. Um, I agree with Harry. Fair protesting is okay outside the stadium as long as there's a purpose to it and perhaps a remit. But it feels like that was just a, an opportune gathering um, that kind of put him under the spotlight. And he handled it the best way that he could. And now it's kind of blown up in his face. Well, that's quite poetic, really, the way I was looking at it. You know, last 10 years of United mismanagement, this kind of stuff. And Arnold says on the day that, yeah, the two leaks that we found within the club squad who've been leaking lineups and all this information have now left the club. And the irony is that the fans who've been complaining about the leaks have then leaked a video of Richard Arnold saying all of this kind of stuff. Scott, it's interesting. Do you, do, you, do you like, I think... Do you, as a United fan, do you actually like Richard Adam more now after this? It's done his PR. I kind of do one, actually. I mean, like I'm do a podcast on United called The Promised Land. And I think uh, my co-host Rob isn't so keen. Uh, I don't want to speak for him, but you can check that out on Tuesdays. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, everything that we've learned about Richard Arnold so far, and he actually said this as well about the fans. What do you want me to make these signings? Which is uh, where have you seen that before? Something like Ed, in a hint to that's what Ed Woodward used to do. He's made it clear, even Graham, from when he took over, and we were reporting this in January, February, that he would like John Murtagh and other mm-hmm. people to deal with the football side. And he confirmed Which is what, that. As in you this said, Scott, that's well. what the, fan, the fans wanted football people to make football decisions. That's what he's put in place. Exactly. Uh, I think it's a bit too early to judge at the moment because United haven't signed any players. You know, this will take about three years to see whether we've seen any changes this is huge De Jong, De, Jong, De Jong feels huge though this feels to me though Scott this De Jong signing yeah if he is a world-class player it would be great but United I think just for the whole Old Trafford for Ten Hag they need to get this one done don't they I think. they do yeah they absolutely do we'll see what they can do this week because United are still in talks with Barcelona as we record this they need to agree with fee the personal terms, I don't think, will be pr- too much of a problem. But United start pre-season with the non-international players a week today. We're recording this on Monday, the 20th of June, I believe. Uh, but United have a lot of work to do. Uh, there are a lot of uh, rival clubs that have cracked on with their business. Liverpool have already finished theirs. They've signed Calvin... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ramsey. Ramsey. Is it Calvin yeah, Ramsey? Ramsey yeah. Yeah. Calvin Ramsey, yeah. Calvin Ramsey. Uh, very highly rated. Another Scottish fullback. Uh, well, well, he'll allow your fellow countrymen... Um, Nico Williams to leave. We actually understand it may only be a loan deal now, which is an interesting. And I, I agree with that because I, I think he's a little world beater, Williams. Yeah, so, I, I do. Um, I do highly rate Nico Williams. You can catch him for Wales at the World Cup and wherever he ends up. Uh, had to get that. Had to get that in there. But yeah, United have a lot of work to do. It seems like Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham have a lot of work to do. Even though Spurs have done a lot of their work already. West Ham very much hard at work, have their first signing over the line, it seems, Toby. Just been tweeted, confirmation that the deal is done, so... There we go. Hold up that iron sign. Uh, Congratulations to Toby. Uh, Guys, thank you very much. This has been uh, the first Talking Transfers uh, that we've done on the 90 Min YouTube channel. Uh, A little bit different today. If you're listening on an audio platform, maybe there's just... uh, Maybe a little bit of a... Maybe a twinge different, but hopefully you can... uh, adjust to it as we move forward we're going to go twice a week on mondays and thursdays from now on on audio platforms spotify google uh apple podcast etc etc and youtube for the remainder of or until the at least until the premier league season starts again at the start of august so twice a week for about six weeks and you can catch us on all of those platforms that i mentioned there uh, we'll talk about all the biggest transfer news as we go along that's going to change you know there's a lot of clubs hard at work here but You'll be able to catch me at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simeu, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth for all of the latest, all of the breaking news as well regarding a number of Premier League clubs. Uh, All of the latest thoughts to transfers that are happening. You can also catch us, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter, basically, is all I'm trying to say. And you'll be in line for all the latest and follow us here as well. We'll be back on Thursday this week with the latest episode of Talking Transfers. Hope you've enjoyed it and thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you soon.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.